0: Bonjour, bonjour, everyone, and welcome to another episode of uh, the Marketing Meetup webinars. Uh, you may have guessed uh, by the opening that today's uh, lovely esteemed guest is the rather fabulous Louis Grenier. Before we get there, though, um, Everyone, usually what I do is ask you to uh, say where you're watching from, but in honor of today's guest, then I figured what we could ask you to do is pop in the in the chat box, your recommendation for your favorite uh, marketing podcast or just podcast in general. Uh, so uh, do, do that and uh, let everyone know. Uh, the thing about that is to make sure to remember to switch your stuff to all panelists and attendees. So, uh, Today, as I say, our guest is Louis. Uh, He is the founder of the excellent Everyone Hates Marketers, the podcast with nearly a million downloads, uh, and I want to call it an organization that just fights marketing bullshit. He's on a one-man crusade presently to fight marketing bullshit. Uh, This is a super exciting time for Louis as yesterday, I think I'm allowed to say this because he announced it on LinkedIn. Uh, He announced he's departing his full-time role and taking on Everyone Hates Marketers uh full time which is um is really richly earned uh louis one of these people that's sort of been giving to the marketing community for an awful long time and and today he sort of sits in a place where he's able to take this full time and like i'm just so so excited for him because uh this is a gift to the entire marketing community that this man is able to give so much of his time now to uh, to building this so uh really is one to watch uh, personally, as a listener to his podcast, uh, I've come to admire Lurie for three reasons. The first is his direct interviewing style. Um, so that gets the most out of all of his guests. And I was saying this before uh, we le- went live that in the q and I'm trying to do a bad impression of him uh, the entire time because uh, that interview style is exactly what I would like to pick up. Uh, secondly, is the guests themselves. I look enviously upon the two episodes that he's done with Seth Godin. That was my gateway drug into his podcast, and uh, it was—I imagine, like many many people—it was the gateway drug into his podcast. But it was an unreal session, and I always remember at the end, at the beginning of that session, uh, Seth said to Leary, he said that was the most invigorating podcast introduction that I've—I think I've ever been on, uh, which was really really impressive uh, coming from a man like that. And finally, uh, the third thing is Louie's consistent focus on finding not just the things that work, but the things that work for a long time, i.e. a pursuit of marketing truths. Um, this is, you know, for me, something that we'll sort of see throughout the course of this session as well. We're not speaking necessarily about the, the in the weeds tactics. We're speaking about the stuff which works, which will inform the rest of your marketing career. And that's been my experience of uh engaging with everything he's done over the course of time so with all that said hopefully i've conveyed my absolute like buzziness uh for today's session and if you haven't guessed it already there is also a health warning on the language if you don't like swearing it is okay to leave now um we had a couple of men- people mentioned on the mark ritson session saying oh he's quite sweary isn't he and uh yeah you know that's fine in fact i really really like that so it's okay um, Today's session will, as usual, run with a presentation element and then a Q&A. Uh, however, I've noticed that the questions which gets the most interactions, the most thumbs up, are usually the ones which are asked earlier. So if you do have questions as, as the session goes through, wiggle your mouse, use the Q&A feature and uh, you'll be able to get your questions in um, and we'll answer those at the end. Finally, I just wanna thank the sponsors, all of whom have been unbelievable. Now, yesterday I did uh, I sent you all an email, which was, uh, quote, unquote, uh, the most honest pre-event webinar email of all time. Um, the idea behind that was just to lay things down and sort of say it as they were. And one of those points was about the sponsors. At the beginning of every session, I simply say um, that these sponsors have been unbelievable. They've enabled us to do what we can do. And one of the things that we can do to do to help them in return is simply say thank you. So I linked them in the email uh, that I sent yesterday, and I'll do so afterwards as well. Please just take the time to thank the people behind these brands because it goes so, so far in, uh, in improving the value of the marketing meetup again and again, um, but also showing, you know, that w- there's a whole lot of love which they deserve. So big thanks to Content Cal, Pitch, Fiverr, Redgate, Cambridge Marketing College, Lidu, Brand, Further, Third Light, bravo, and human, uh, please just do take a moment to thank those. And with all that said, uh, Louis, it's over to you, my friend.
1: Bonjour, bonjour everyone. Um, I'm quite, I don't really know what to say, man. Um, thanks so much for this very, very lovely introduction. Um, yeah, it's all about giving as much as possible uh, to all of you. Um, Joe was kind enough to, to let me know the type of attendees that I would expect, so I've, I've really tried to build something that you would get uh, value from. So let's get started straight away um, into what you've been here for. Um, I want to teach you uh, and share the lessons I've learned over the years on on how to stand out. And what I mean stand out is to radically stand out. Um, and so please do share your questions if you have any. Uh, we'll take the time at the end to, to answer them. Um, so let's get started, right? Um, I'm not going to insult your intelligence saying that, you know, you don't know that there is so much clutter online and and offline. Uh, I think this is the cycle of death that we've all seen as marketers, right? Um, there is clutter everywhere. It's very, very hard to be noticed. So we do things that are slightly better, slightly cheaper, slightly faster, but competitors just copy. It's just a race to the bottom for attention. And there's more clutter and it comes back. Um, to the initial stuff, right? So it's very, very tough for us. And I think this is kind of the problem of the century for marketers. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. If anything, it's accelerating. Um, As Joe mentioned, Seth Godin is is a big inspiration to me. When he launched his his book, The Purple Cow, he put the first 10,000 in in milk bottles. Uh, He has a knack for this. He has a knack to create stuff that are radically different. and I, I take huge inspiration from him. The big issue that I see with, with the book Purple Cow many other books on the topic on how to be different and how to radically stand out, are three main things right uh the biggest one to me is you tend to be different and so important to radically stand out and and you get your kind of creative fires you know creative minds firing but they don't really never tell you how in detail it's up to you to figure that out right that's how it feels to me and it's always how it felt to me so across my career throughout my career i i tried my best so they have raised money you start with a product you find your best customers and then voila you have uh a strong positioning um the other thing the other big issue is is that it's mostly vague statements right they tell you to tell stories you must you use storytelling you know you must be controversial and you use you must use emotions um all of those vague statements that don't mean anything at all that are not helpful whatsoever to you in your daily job and uh, that are just meant f- for you like to to sound smart uh, by telling stuff that are just so obvious um uh, but it doesn't really help you to, to radically stand out and to attract the right people. So in this presentation, I'm gonna to try to teach you and share a few lessons and mistakes I've learned over the years on how to actually do this. Um, and by this, I mean the yellow thing at the t- on the top right corner. Um, radical differentiation is basically the, the, the science of being different and compelling to a specific set of people. So you can be different and boring uh, if you have a boring product you try to you, you basically have marketing stunts you know you just try to to do growth hacks and stuff like that makes you that make people notice you but they just those are stunts they're not going to work in the long term um, you can try to be different um, and oh sorry you can try to be the same than everyone else and, and just boring that's mass products that's average stuff for average people okay so that's in green on the bottom left or you can try to be compelling. So you go a bit more niche, you have a niche product or niche services, but honestly, by just going niche, it's not really going to create radical differentiation. You will have other people in the niche that will do pretty much the same thing. So even though it's slightly more compelling than mass products, it's still kind of the same um, than everyone else. So radical differentiation is the only way to, to truly create something that is different and campaigning for a specific set of people so you're the only one in the world that does this specific thing. And that changes everything. To me, that's the antidote to marketing bullshit. You create something that is rad- radically different for a specific set of people. People love it so much that they just can't ha- can't help themselves but, but, um, but pay you with their attention, with their money, with their time. And so let's do this. Let's share a, a story first. So that was me a few years ago. I always wanted to stand out. I don't know why it's been a defense mechanism of mine from a very young age. I I struggled to get attention from my mom and I think that's just started from there uh, in school. I used to always kind of try to find holes in my teacher's teaching. Uh, I, I have been called an intellectual terrorist a few times by one of the teachers, um, purely because, yeah, I was always trying to find holes and poke holes into, into people's stories and, and, uh, and teachings. Um, but unfortunately, I kind of forgot my way uh, a few years back when I launched my, my first business. I just want to pause here and make you admire the absolute state of me, uh, with my three-piece suit. Um, you know, if you've heard Joe's introduction and what I'm trying to do with everyone as marketers, you can see how this is the opposite of who I am as a person. Yet I was happy to pay a photograph a photographer. I think it was 200 euro. Um, and the suit was around like, I think two hundred euro as well in River Island, I remember uh, and stand in the middle of Dublin city centre uh, look like a marketing consultant because i I thought that that's what it was, right? This is what people expect of me. I'm a marketing consultant now, so I need to wear a three piece suit and take some cheesy, corny, horrible pictures of me um in the city centre of Dublin. And to me, I love to watch the, to look at those pictures again because it reminds me of. Of how I lost my ways and how I really, you know, I wasn't radically different whatsoever. Um, and that was a big lesson for me. But since then, I kind of thought back of, uh, about stuff. As, as, as Joe mentioned, I, I launched a podcast nearly four years ago, reaching nearly 1 million uh, downloads without ads. I spent a lot of time on it, but I didn't spend uh, uh, money uh, on ads. Uh, I worked for Hodjar for nearly four years as well, where I repositioned the, the, the company from like an early stage startup to, to a mature company with a lot of success. I'll share that in the next a few minutes. And then, yeah, I had good in on the show. The podcast has a lot of good ratings. But overall, I think the overall thing behind all of it is the radical differentiation mindset that I'm, that I'm going to teach you today. So six steps. Let's get started. The first step is to get rid of your self-limiting beliefs. That's a big thing that I see over and over again. The marketing world and industry suffers collectively from imposter syndrome uh, and lack of confidence overall. This is the first thing that we need to challenge to radically stand out. Um, The first self-limiting belief that I see a lot of people having is, but you know, standing out is risky. I don't want to do anything risky The issue is obscurity for you, right? If you don't stand out, you're going to face obscurity. If you face obscurity, you're just going to join the clutter. If you join the clutter, no one is going to notice you. And it's going to be an uphill battle to be noticed. Very much like it was an uphill battle for me to be noticed with my three-piece suits amongst all the other marketing consultants in the world. If you really want to sell stuff, be noticed, um, create a movement, um, help people change, you must stand out. This is your duty. It's as simple as that. You can't just keep facing obscurity. It's it's it just you can't you can't you can't do that. So we we need to remove this first self-relating belief. Not standing out is what is risky in, in, in today's day and age. The second one is well, everyone else is doing it this way. Why should I do it differently? Um, the picture on the right is from France. I hate France by the way, uh, but they use this you know this laughing track everywhere, and that's kind of the traditional. Um, uh, psychology kind of bias that make people believe that it's, 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 it's funnier than it is just because people are laughing. So you want to laugh too. And that's kind of the principle for, for that as well. If everyone else is doing it this way, it's absolutely fine to challenge it. Um, guess what? New stuff, new innovation, new stuff that happens all the time, challenge the status quo this way. And when you do things differently, people will notice. Now, it's not going to work all the time. Uh, it's not going to work every time. It's an experiment, but it's so worth doing. Uh, you need to kind of be aware of your own biases when it comes to to your own psychology and realize, actually, it's not because everyone else is doing it this way that I shouldn't try something different. And finally, the last one I want to uh, spend a bit of time on is the, is, the, is the paradox of choice and the fact that we think of ourselves. But you know, if we focus on one thing, if we try to do something very, very well, uh, we are going to miss out on everything else. Um, and that's kind of the, where the imposter syndrome kicks in. And we do things for average things for average people, because we don't want to kind of miss out on opportunities that are maybe elsewhere. The big issue with this is super important is the fact that because we work so hard to keep all our, uh, of our options open, we avoid thinking of what we may miss. So if you're a marketing consultant and do everything, just all marketing for everyone, what you're missing out on is huge expertise in one domain. You're missing out on a bigger payday. You're missing out on on bigger credibility, more credibility. So by thinking about what you are missing by not doing specific things, this helps you to to actually acknowledge, yeah, if we do stand out differently, if we do do something a bit more niche, a bit more different, we're going to focus all our effort on something. And that might actually give more than just trying to keep all our options open. Um, and the other side of it is interesting as, as consumers, as people who also buy stuff, the more choice you have available to you, the less happy you're going to be about your final choice. Meaning when you pick a product amongst 100 products that are the same, if you're not happy with that product, uh, it's going to be even more intense. The pain of not picking the right thing is going to be more intense and you're going to blame yourself even more than if you are, um, than if you have left choice in front of you. So by creating something that is radically different, you shorten in the, the, the number of choices available to people. And therefore, you make it easier for them to pick you. And you also lessen the pain that they might feel if, if they're not happy with it. So that's super important. Um, so that was the self limiting beliefs, the, the top three that I see all the time. Now, the second point, picking a direction. Um, I know, Joe, you had Mark Riston on the, on, on, on the webinar a few, year, a, few, a few weeks ago. He hates me talking about this purpose thing, uh, but I, I'll tell you why it's important still. Um, so this is the purpose written on their website from Nestle. Um, and you can see, it makes me laugh. They want to enhance quality of life and they want to contribute to a healthier future. That's how nice of them to say that, right? Uh, However, they're the third biggest uh, polluter in terms of plastic in the world. So you can see the the massive difference between their so-called purpose and and what they actually do. The reason why I want to talk about the direction and purpose is because if you don't have a clear direction, inner direction, why you're doing certain things as a business, it's very easy to then just keep all of your opportunities open and just never really pick anything that is uh, strong enough for you to dive into. And this is kind of the way I like to illustrate it. You need to kind of, in the world of Seth Godin, uh, make a spinner and spin the wheel. You need to kind of pick one direction and decide that this is what I'm going to dive into um, instead of thinking of all of the other opportunities out there and keeping them all open. If you don't do that, if you don't pick a purpose, it's going to be very easy to say yes to opportunities that are not perfect. It's going to be very easy to create something that is average things for average people. But by picking a purpose and a direction, it's going to help you to... To, do, uh, to have more confidence in yourself and the business uh, you're part of, whether you're the founder or marketing manager uh, or a marketer inside it. Um, and my advice to you for, for this one is to write your own obituary. I know it's very uh, grim, but it works. Um, trying to summarize how you want to be remembered, whether as a business or as an indi- individual in 12 uh, worlds or less. And I don't mean... To put that on your website and, and just write about it and whatnot, it can stay with you. That's perfectly fine. But in the moments where you feel a bit lost, you're not super confident, you don't know if you want to ship this thing that is very different from, from anything else, looking back at that purpose, it's going to help you to just steer ahead and not overthink stuff. The second advice uh, I can give you is, is this one it's, it's super powerful. Uh, I don't believe in personality tests. And in fact, in fact, I'm not the only one. Um, scientists say that, that they are mostly bullshit because it's self-reported kind of uh, prophecy. Uh, something that is much more useful is uh, what's called a unique ability, trying to understand what is your unique ability. Um, and my biggest advice to you is to reach out to folks that you work with in the past that, that know you very well and ask them something, uh, very simple question. Uh, what's my unique ability according to you? And so your unique ability would be the thing that brings you the highest energy that you love doing, that you're very good at, that people recognize in you. Whether you're the founder of the business or not doesn't matter. Uh, Even if you are a marketer inside a bigger business. The reason why it's so important to understand yourself this way, to understand what is your unique ability so you can double down on it, is it's going to make you feel way more confident about yourself. And creating something radically different has to be uh, coming from someone who feels confident in themselves. If you're not, you're going to, you know, make the curry less spicy. You're going to just take less risk. You're going to, at the time of launching this crazy campaign, you're going to have second thought. But knowing who you are, what you stand for, what you're good at, and is really this huge boost of confidence that makes you feel, you know, yeah, this is me. I'm happy with that. I can stand behind it. That helped me tremendously in my career over the years. And that's the reason why I'm here today. That's the reason why I've done this podcast. That's the reason why I managed to kind of fight against this three-piece suit person who wasn't me. And now I have the confidence to try new stuff. And even if it fails, I know it's me. I know it feels like I'm not trying to, uh, to be a watered-down version of myself. Step number three. We're halfway there. Um, obsessing over your customers. This is something I. It's not even a belief. It's 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 to me. It's the very definition of marketing, right? Uh, and by obsessing over your customers, I mean this particular part of their brain, uh, which is called the orbital uh, frontal cortex, and. I love talking about, you know, uh, science behind stuff because a lot of people out there would talk about, oh, you must tell stories, but they never really tell you why. They never go into in-depth about why people behave and think the way uh, they think. So this little green area is the OFC. And the OFC is super important for you as marketers. The OFC assigns a value based on goals and rewards when making a decision, right? So automatically assigns a value based on what you want to achieve and what you might get out of it. That's what this portion of the brain does. And then our behavior is driven by the difference between the state you are in, the actual state the customer is in, and their desired state, where they want to go, right? So this is just, it sounds simple, but this is the basis of everything around marketing. Understanding why your people, your customers, and past customers have made the decision they took when when they went with you. Or even didn't, why they went for a competitor is the basis of really obsessing over them and understand who they are. So, the OFC decides the value, and then you decide to act or not based on the actual state you're in and the desired state you want to go into. And in terms of uh, illustrating that, this is the job to be done methodology. You can you can Google that if you wish to go a bit deeper. I think they are going very too much in depth and too scientific about it sometimes and it makes it very complex to understand. But basically, this is the way to visualize it is, is this picture. Your customers are at the start, they are at the bottom of that hill. What they want to do is go to the top and they might be attracted by, you know, what they get out of it. The OFC attr- uh, assigned this value. They want they want to solve their pain. They have a few options in front of them. But anxiety and, and the force of habits kind of prevent them to do that. So it's always kind of the the juggle between the two. And that's so important to understand. And the reason why I mention it is because to radically stand out, you must understand those paths very well to create something that truly relieves their pain, but also um, uh, overcome the anxiety uh, and the habits that that they have in their day-to-day. So let me show you why and how to do this. Um, My biggest advice to you on this step, if you haven't done so recently, to talk to at least three customers recent customers of yours so folks who have recently purchased your product or services whether you're a founder a manager a marketer whatever else a consultant whatever else it doesn't matter talk to at least three customers i'm not saying sending them a survey i'm not saying you know talking to them over email please do take the time to talk to them over zoom for like 30 minutes And not as a salesperson type of approach, but as a journalist, you want to learn as much as you can from them. You want to talk to them. You want to hear from them why and how they took the decision to go with you. Because you're going to use that to create something radically different. So you can screenshot that if you wish. Also, come back to the slides to take those questions. Those are not meant to be taken verbatim. You need to, like, obviously make it your own. But what you want to understand with those questions is the path they are taking from the actual state they were in to the desired state they went to uh, thanks to you. So you want to start with something like, take me back to the day you started to think about buying a solution like Iris. What was going on in your life? This is the actual state. What made you start looking for a solution like Iris? That's the trigger. What other solutions did you consider? Those are the alternatives that they might be thinking about. Why did you decide to go with us? That's the uniqueness, the thing they really like about you. How would you describe the change that happened? That's the desired state. That's the the final, you know, top of the hill path that they took. And finally, one thing that I never really hear about that much that is super important to create something radically different is what are you sick of hearing about our industry, about our category, whatever you're selling? You're going to get some really interesting answers that you can use to fuel the creation of something radically different. So again, those are just pointers. What you want to understand is just their story with you. That's it. And then you want to go to the edge of the map. That's my beautiful drawing skills, as you can see. By going to the edge of the map, what I mean is the average is at the center. It's average thing for average people. As what would say, right? Going to the edge of the map enables you to really go to the people who feel the most pain, to the people who are... The biggest fans of yours to the people who who uh, who are so interested in going uh, with you that they can't wait, you know, to hear from you. So, what you want to understand from those interviews that you've done is what are the most common and powerful desires. You know, why did they want to go at the top of the hill? Like, what was at the top of that hill? What were the most common and painful, you know, pains? What was you know so painful that they had to take a decision and move upwards? What made them take the decision? What's the trigger? This is so important. What what are the most common triggers? Or is it someone who said, yeah, you should try this solution? Is it because they were moving house? Is it because they had a new baby? Is it because they're in a new mortgage? Is it because, you know, you know what I mean? And then what are the most common cliches as well? Remember the last question. What are the things that they hate the most about your industry and categories? Uh, what are the things that really you know, annoy them so much? I'm going to give you a few examples in the next uh, few seconds. So once you have that, trust me, do not skip this step, please. I know you can buy market research data. I know you can do a lot um, to try to understand customers. Please talk to them directly. The depth at which you're going to get data and, and insight is just unprecedented compared to any other methods you can try. So. Step four, identifying the status quo. So the status quo is the actual state they were in before starting to look for a solution like yours. And David was nothing without Goliath. What I mean by this is that you must lean on something else. You must lean against something else to create uh, something that is radically different. Your brain uses 20% of the sugar of the body, even though it's uh, a very small organ. We are energy for Our brain uh, uses a lot of, of energy as your brain doesn't want to use as much as energy as, as possible. It wants it wants to use as less energy as possible. And therefore, the more work you can do by showing them the actual state, the status quo, the thing that you're leaning against, the easier for them to understand what you're offering them. Um, and the other point about this, the status quo, is um, I used to be a conspiracy theorist, actually, when I was 16, 17. I was Desperately seeking attention of people, and that was a good way to do to do that. I'm not very proud of it now, but conspiracy theorists have uh, a very good way to understand the world, and I don't mean that in a good way, in a marketing purpose to understand it. Not what they're thinking. They personify something that is completely random because it's easier to understand, right? So our brain loves to create something uh, and find you know, an enemy out there because it makes it much easier to understand. It, it relieves anxiety. It's much easier to think that all of the trouble in the world happened because of a group of people instead of just pure randomness. It makes it easier in your mind. And that's the exact reason why using a status quo to lean against is something that makes it easier for people to understand, okay, this is, this is what you're offering and this is what you're going against. I understand the two. It makes it much easier to understand the concept you're fighting against and what you're bringing to the table. And again, this goes back to this hill. The bottom of the hill is the status quo. You want to jolt them from this status quo to the top of the hill. That's your job as a marketer, as a change maker. Um, And if you don't understand exactly what the status quo is, this is, this is where big issues can arise. So this is an example from Hotjar that I worked on. Uh, We've done a lot of research, talked to a lot of customers and you can see Hotjar is, is a simple tool to understand what people do on your website. And we position it against using only traditional web analytics tools like Google Analytics. And you can see we lean against it on the headline and subheadline. We say, understand how your users are actually uh, really experiencing your site without running in numbers. So that's the first hint towards status quo. Status quo being you only use numbers like traditional analytics. The second point is traditional web analytics tools help you to analyze traffic data, but numbers alone can't tell you what users really do on your website. And so you see, we lean against it constantly and that that worked really well for us. And that's the entire positioning of Hotjar now. So two big mistakes to avoid, and I know uh, April Dunford talked about it last week, which is great. Um, Your status quo is not necessarily your direct competition, right? Most of the time in a lot of markets, folks have never used a tool like yours or software like yours or a consultant like yours or services like yours. So the status quo is not necessarily competing against and leaning against direct competitors. Usually it's doing nothing, it's inertia, it's another solution, it's using an intern or excel as April mentions as well, um, the other mistake I see a lot is, is a lot of uh, is is hating the player uh, instead of hating the game. So it's not about just picking one particular solution. For Hotjar, we decided not to mention Google Analytics in particular. We talk about the traditional web analytics tools, and so we 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 hate the game, not the players, and that's important. You don't want to make enemies out of it. You want to you know bring change forward uh, and and help people make better decisions. Step five, probably the most exciting step, uh, probably the one I've never really heard anyone talking about it in detail. And to me, that's kind of where the the, the, the beauty of this method comes through. What you wanna have is a statement that looks like this. The, we are the only whatever that does whatever, right? Um, now, I know it's difficult for you if, if you're selling like, let's say marketing services, how are you supposed to come up with something like that? Well, trust me, you can. Uh, It doesn't have to be extremely, uh, it doesn't have to be like something completely new that no one else has heard about, but it can be slightly different and radically different enough for for you to to be able to have a statement like that. And I'll show you two examples. So, the way to plot it, and that's explained in the book uh, Blue Ocean Strategy, uh, albeit it's very complicated and I'm trying to simplify it as much as I can, is you want to plot all of the things that you do that bring value to people inside your product, your services, inside the customer experience. You want to plot everything that goes on that, you know, traditional, uh, the the status quo are doing, you know, what are the things that the status quo is doing that brings value to people or not? And what are the things that you could be doing? The way to see it is is really this way, like the most value you can bring, uh, the better, Uh, the least value, this is something that you might want to remove. So this is what I mean. Don't skip this step again. This is painful. But this is where radical differentiation comes from. When you start with your customers, understand their pain, their desires, obsess over a specific portion of them, you can understand exactly what, uh, what you should remove from your existing offering, or if you're creating something new, what you should not do that others are doing. So, remove anything that goes against your purpose. If I were a Nestle, I would make sure to remove any uh, you know um, plastic packaging as soon as possible. Um, remove anything that doesn't elevate what customers love about you. This is a big mistake. You want to do all things for all people. And therefore you don't elevate one or two strengths of yours. One or two things that you do the best in the world at. remove cliches again, use what customers have told you, what, what do they hate about consultants? They hate, you know, maybe this three-piece suit and the fact that they never respond to emails. So you do the opposite. You don't wear three-piece suit and you answer emails within 10 minutes. That's just an example. Um, And remove anything that doesn't solve the biggest pain. Yes, you can do other stuff. You can offer additional services and whatnot and additional features. But if you don't solve the biggest pain the best way possible, you're going to be in trouble as well. That's the way to radically stand out. Um, Traditionally, adding stuff is something that we love doing, but try to fight against it as much as possible. Usually from experience, what you see is removing more than adding. So yes, you can add anything that serves your purpose better, that elevates what customers love and what you've learned uh, from them, that solves the biggest pain. But usually if you have an existing offering, removing stuff more than adding is, is more impactful. So this is an example just from the podcast and that that's, I consciously, uh, consciously did that four years ago um, to create something that was radically different. So I, I hate marketing podcasts in general. And that's because they have ads that are all the same, very boring. Um, they take, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes out of, the, of the, the interview to talk about the guests and who they are and their life and how many children they have and how many jobs did they had in the past and et cetera, et cetera. I always found it very boring. They cover so many topics that you don't really dive into anything in detail. So you just, you're just you left hanging. You understand the concept, but you don't really know how to do stuff. And then you have scripted questions. They don't really listen to the, to the interviewee. They just, they just, you know, ask a question, wait until they're finished, ask another question that has nothing to do with it. So I decided to remove all of that. I just added a few curse words because that's me and focused on one topic. And that's why I think Everyone marketers has Marketers uh, has been growing without me spending any time on it apart from interviewing people because I didn't have time until yesterday. Um, and that was, to me, it was a very good lesson in radical differentiation. And trust me, it wasn't easy when I decided to do this. When, I, when we picked the name, decided to go for it 100% and promote it. it wasn't easy. Felt butterfly in my stomach, and that's usually the right, good sign. Um, you want to feel this fear a bit. That makes you slightly uncomfortable because that's where that's where good things happen. Another example. Big fan of this restaurant in Dublin called Bunsen. Uh, Straight up burgers, as they say. Uh, I love what they do and and you see when you start thinking about it this way you'd see examples everywhere you go Um, they have one burger that they offer not 10 not five one Um, they don't have a long menu that you pick from they have their menu is a business card a literal business card literally a business card they don't use frozen ingredients they are able to elevate the strength of this burger by only buying fresh product from start to finish they mince their their meats on site everything right so by selecting one burger only and going all in with it they are able to really elevate it to the point that it's the best burger in dublin by a long long mile um and the status quo is easy to understand even if they don't say it sp- explicitly they are fighting against traditional fast food chains right and trust me i mean anyone doing a restaurant like this taking such a risk anyone would say mm, i'm not sure it's a good idea really do you want to do that Are you sure you don't want to offer chicken as an option? Are you sure you don't want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to do that? Are you sure you don't want to add milkshakes? Are you sure you don't, you know, it's very easy to dilute stuff when you have a radically different kind of idea in front of you, but don't, this is the beauty of it. If you don't, you're going to elevate it to the point where you're the only one doing this and therefore people are going to love you for it. Yes, it's risky, but again, what we said at the start is not standing out is the risky stuff. And they've been growing. Uh, I think they have like nine or 10 uh, restaurants now around Dublin and in Ireland. Now, step six, la- last step, uh, is showing into the world, right? There's no point engineering something on your side, uh, in your side, without, uh, without showing into the world. So, again, I mentioned that a, a few minutes ago. We are either taking a habit based decision or a value based decision right? You can't take a decision that is both. So most people, most of us make decisions all the time based out of habits. We don't think about them. Very few times we have value-based decisions that I described with the OFC, the part of the brain in green, remember? Your job, your entire job as a marketer is to jolt people outside of their habits. If you want them to use your solution, you want to move them from the actual state they were in at the bottom of the hill and move them to the top of the hill. That's your job. By understanding them so well that you create something that is radically different, that will really save, save their, solve their pains, um, relieve their anxiety, make them, you know, move uh, on the top of the hill. That's that's the beauty of marketing. That's 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 your goal. So how to do this? Um, and again, the hill. I want to repeat that and really show you that. Uh, that's kind of the way I imagine it every time I try to do something. So there's three pointers here. There are a few more, but those are the I think the most important. Number one, radical clarity, um, using your customer's words and simplify your message as much as possible is incredibly important for, for people to understand what you offer, uh, to lean against status quo, you want to use their own words. You want to simplify your message. There's no point trying to sound smart. People are just like you and me. They are busy. Do you want to jolt them out of a habit-based decision? You can't do that with very complicated words. And no, it's not going to sm- uh, make you sound uh, less smart. It's going to do the opposite. Um, radical generosity. Share everything you know for free. I mean, Joe is a perfect example of that. Uh, the, the generosity of these guys is, is, is unreal. And, and, and this is what happens. You have a lot of people showing up every week uh, listening to, to speakers. And by radical generosity, I really mean share everything. Don't be afraid to, like, go above and beyond and just give everything you have. No, uh, people are not going to steal your stuff. Um, they are going to trust you more and they're going to think about you more. This is the way you're going to jolt people from a habit based decision uh, to actually considering something else by being exposed to something for free that make them challenge you know, the, their status quo. And the last one is radical confidence. Um, and this is why i mentioned it throughout this presentation especially at the start to challenge the status quo you have to do it with authority confidence you have to believe in this 100% if you go at it 60 70 80 90% even it's going to you're going to struggle because you're going to be challenged and you might you know dilute stuff you might tr- create a watered down version of it you might you know put less spice in your curry the next time that's you don't want to do that so the best examples I've given uh, in the last few minutes are examples of, you know, someone taking a leap of faith, believing in what they're doing, taking some risk, feeling confident about it. And, you know, when I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I, I share those lessons to people, the more I think confidence is really the key here. Because, yeah, it's not going to work every time. It might not work, but this is the only way to really make a difference in today's world. With the clutter around, you have to take a stand. You have to, uh, to take some risk. And you have to do so with authority and confidence. Uh, last example, and then this is over, I promise, is this ad by Burger King. I know we are in the burgers today. It's, like it's 9 AM for me, and I'm already hungry. How many companies would have just said no to this ad? So they created this ad to basically show uh, that their burger are made from real ingredients without additives, uh, and therefore they are molding like any other burger. And you compare that to the status quo, McDonald's, that you know you leave a, a McDonald's burger uh, in, on a table for 30 days, it's not going to turn blue because it's full of additives. So that was their campaign how many companies and how many of you would have just, you know, say, "Oh, this is risky. I don't think we should do that. You know, it's, let's just do something a bit, you know, less risky because, you know, who knows what are people going to say to that? But to me, that's a great example of just taking some risk, trying something new. I think this campaign got so many awards and so many, so much word of mouth that it just paid for itself uh, uh, many times over. And, Yes, I could have picked a better example. Burger King is not necessarily an example of the best uh, marketing, the best product. But the concept behind it is, I think, is a good lesson for all of us um, to just take some risk, not being afraid of, of failing, not being afraid of, uh, of standing out, and being afraid of security. That's our job. So yeah, to summarize, let's get rid of our self limiting beliefs. Let's pick a direction to go uh, after let's talk to our customers engineer our uniqueness lean against the status quo and show it to the world and doing doing it all over again the next time and yeah that's my website do check it out if uh, if you're interested well wow, boy
0: thank you so much Larry. amazing session uh, and I, I like the approach you got, you got your six steps and uh you know i'm I'm firmly of the belief that you know it kind of hark back to a lot of what seth godin was saying you know you mentioned him at the beginning of the session you know but that that sort of picking a market going after it identifying what you're really good at and keep on driving that home and over the course of time you know that's that's the stuff that works so thank you very much sir and i really really appreciate it and there's a whole bunch of uh messages coming in uh, in the chat as well. So hopefully you'll be able to sort of get the nice ego boost that goes alongside those. Um, So we've got a bunch of questions uh, that are already lined up. Uh, Folks, if you head to the Q&A feature, you'll be able to uh, ask your questions right there. And also don't forget to use the thumbs up feature because then it helps uh, the top ones get to the top. And uh, look at all these chat messages coming in too. That's unreal. (laughs) Uh, It always gives me a buzz as well. So uh, I hope it does you too, Lou. So the first one, and, and I think I've seen three questions uh, to this effect, uh, is from Claire, who asks, uh, how do you overcome the opinions of uh, the traditional uh, views of boards slash owners of businesses? I find that even when we as marketers want to stand out, ideas are dis- dismissed because they're found as too risky.
1: Yeah, I, this is probably the question I, I, I receive the most... Uh... The most often, and I love it. And so thanks for, for raising it. I understand it's not easy. Um, there are two ways to do it. One is to just uh, ask for uh, forgiveness, not for permission. So try st- something small enough with a small enough budget that is not going to necessarily raise uh, eyebrows. But really go at it. Go for the edge of the map. Try something radically different that you want to try it. And it could be a landing page using Unbounce and a Facebook ad campaign with $200 on it. Run it, get some good results, and show the results. And say, hey, I've tried something new here. This is the result. Can we do that more? What I found is if you just ask for, can we do this, please, without any results attached to it, just it's very easy for people to dismiss it. You have thousands of reasons to say no to a Burger King campaign. <laughs> but it's very difficult to say no to results. You know, If you say, hey, our campaigns has worked better than any other stuff we've tried before, we should do that more of. If, if the people you're talking to understand business, they will, they will understand that. Yeah, maybe it's worth trying yeah. the second option. And I know coronavirus is, is, um, among us, it's far from being easy to, for, for anyone here to, to leave a job or do something different. But if you try that over and over again, if you are showing them other examples of companies doing it, and if they are still not moving, still not willing to try stuff then I would suggest you to try to find another job and do something different. Finding CEOs and founders and folks you can work for and with who believe in the same thing. Um, It's just just impossible sometimes to change people's minds um, and you have to make peace with that. But I would favor first option, try (laughs) your hardest first. But if not, unfortunately, yes, you have to move on. Absolutely.
0: no. That make, no, makes perfect sense. Um, on that, do you, do you have any examples from your career or, or from people you've spoken to who have, who have sort of taken that approach either with a smaller budget or, or with a side project, which is then turned into something far bigger? I guess, in fact, even uh, the, whole, the whole podcast uh, could be an example of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, not talk about it too much. Definitely. I mean, that was, that was an example. But l- let me try to find an example of someone who's challenged, challenged that internally. Um, I mean, another example that we've done, uh, when I was at Hodjar, uh, we wanted to do a virtual event because everyone was doing one, but I absolutely didn't want to do something like everyone else. So what I've done is I looked on, on LinkedIn, uh, for, for, for comments on, on virtual events. I just look on the search bar and, and try to find like virtual event nightmare, virtual event mistake or something like that. Yeah. Looking at comments of people who, who hated, those usual virtual events that are like super self-promotional that last a while. Everyone is promoting their stuff. There's no value whatsoever. No one gives any, uh, any steps. It's just very fluffy. And they are an hour long. It's boring as fuck. I mean, everything. And we did the opposite of that. So I struggled to find an angle for a while. And then I just, you know, abandoned it. and said, listen, I'll, it come to me when it come to me, went to sleep next morning, woke up, literally had the idea of, uh, doing virtual events that will last five minutes only not an hour um, and that was the inspiration came from uh, what we used to do uh, at meetups inside hoja where we would do lightning learning sessions and we did that so five days five talks per day five minutes each and we went for it we took some risk uh, it wasn't necessarily a huge buy-in internally but we went for it and yeah uh, the reception was huge people loved it a lot of good values that was another example of us trying something new like that, mm-hmm. and there were so many occasions of watering down, you know, of watering that down. We could have easily become yet another virtual event.
0: So, well, I, I think it's spot on, and and you know, if anything, you know, although coronavirus has created an environment where risk is potentially a little bit harder to to justify in some ways, it's also the the flip side is that in many ways it's also an opportunity to try so many new things because everything else has been thrown out the window, right? You know, so we've Thank got you. those opportunities. Um, so next question, we've got a question from anonymous, the mysterious anonymous keeps Ooh. asking questions. Yeah. So, uh, say, it's good. <laughs> well, is that lots of people uh, ask, oh, yeah. me, ask you, so, uh, they say, what's your advice for standing out on the CV? There's so many people applying for every job at the moment. And I'm struggling to come up with something that makes me stand out.
1: Thanks. Okay. You. So, Apply this method to, to job hunting. Um, what I would do is I would list down the traditional ways people apply to a job. And I would list down everything. So, okay, the CV, it's boring, it's on PDF, it's black and white. Uh, it's just the copy is just over the top. It's like achieved an outstanding 23.2% increase in conversion rate on our homepage, blah, blah. It's full of fluff. Um, you apply on every on Indeed.com and all of those other sites. You uh, uh, you just have a boring picture that looks very professional with a three-piece suit, like I did, etc., etc. You list that down, and then think of it. so think of it as a marketing campaign. Honestly, like a marketing campaign, you want to select a few people who would actually can't wait for your attention. You wouldn't you know, go at it and just blast an email to, to your entire list uh, list of people who didn't opt in to hear from you. You would just select a few people who actually, you know, can't wait to hear from you. So I would select the top five companies you, you want to work for and I would reach out to them individually. I would craft a CV that doesn't look like a CV, meaning I would really personalize it to the point that it's for them only. I would reach out to some of them, uh, employees on LinkedIn, build rapport with them. And I would really try something different. What are the things uh, that, that you could do that are not there uh, currently? What are the risks you could take? Uh, I don't know, create a website, creating a YouTube live, explaining why you love this. I mean, go for the edges. Look for inspirations. Uh, look at swipe, fi- swipe files online of a good example of, of people who have done that. People who rented billboards and... This is what it takes. I mean, as marketers, this is the only thing we have is our creativity. Don't believe the hype of algorithm and whatnot. This is what we have left. Facebook and Google are taking the rest. Creativity is where it's, where it's at and confidence. So if you, if you apply these methods and even talk to employers and say, hey, what do you hate the most about people applying? Like, what do you think is just the most boring way to apply to a job? Trust me, you'll get plenty of ideas. Mm-hmm. That's that.
0: No, you made a you've referenced the word confidence regularly throughout the the course of the talk and it kind of feeds into the next question here but um i I want to ask you a question first which was was there a point for you you know and and we are speaking about you personally and and you've got permission to do so where you were able to act with more confidence so you pointed to yourself with the three piece three piece suit and, and stuff like that and and you thought that was almost something which was um a moment of you pretending to be something else (laughs) so there you are very cold but (laughs) actually not let me wear it (laughs) so i'm just curious like was there a moment for you where you acted without confidence and was there a moment where you kind of had an inflection point where you were like okay i can start acting with confidence on your person
1: every time almost like Let's not kid ourselves. I'm not like this this super ninja who who is confident 100% of the time. I feel like shit very very regularly. I suffer from anxiety. Um, it's it's every like obviously I, I I don't feel confident all the time. Um, I was stressed about this yesterday. I was overthinking it. Like I wanted to do a good job for you. So let's not kid ourselves. Like people who just portray themselves as like those super science who who, who know everything and super confident are, are, are full of shit. Um, the only way is to manage it, be aware of it, externalize it, talk about it, uh, going to the gym, uh, drinking plenty of water, um, talking to some friends, talking to coaches, therapists. That's, that's what it is. And recognizing the fear, like that's what I'm, I'm, I've become a bit better at is when you have those butterflies in your stomach, when you feel this fear, when you're about to launch this thing or create this thing or repromote this thing, usually this is a good sign. If you don't, if you're not scared, if it's just business as usual, it's likely going to go flat. So this is what it takes, right? Recognize this fear. You're not going to be confident all the time. But try to, you know, talk to customers that gives you a lot of confidence. Go to the gym, whatever, like, gives you energy. And, and, and remember, reread those emails that you receive back from the unique ability email. And just that that's where it comes from. But you can't just remove you know, when you don't feel confident. It's just part of being human. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, mate. Um, there's there's a lot of wonderful uh, comments coming in on, on that. You know, Jennifer, the most recent one, who said, you're brilliant, thank you so much. Amazing confidence boost for a Tuesday morning. So I think you've just gifted people quite a lot. Of that I've stuff. got this. <laughs> it's a real fist pump moment. And let's apply that to uh, the question, which was, how do you deal with a demanding and difficult sales team? who think they are the experts in marketing too. It can bring a lot of self-doubt when you have assholes making you feel like you
1: you could always do better. Um, I guess the best thing to do here is to 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 treat them as customers of yours. Like really trying to, to understand where they're coming from, build rapport with them, like talking to them like you did with customers, really understanding, okay, why are you telling me those things? That's usually, those comments come from point of anxieties and and they're not to share whether you can do the job or whatnot. You want to understand that first of all, and second of all, I think one of the best way to build alignment. And I know with coronavirus you can't do that right now, but Zoom is an alternative. Would be like to bring customers to your office, some of the best customers to your office. You can do that via Zoom, and literally just make them talk about you know stuff, so you can align on on the core principles of of what you want to achieve and and understand. Actually, yeah, you're right. I don't understand customer that well. Uh, we could think we could do things differently. Uh, and everything else another tip to try with sales and anyone who don't who think they're marketers because they uh, they have uh, admin access to a facebook page is to say hey let's let's compete you know sales love competition let's compete come up with a campaign i'll come up with a campaign you write the copy whatever we compare the results right I don't want to hear from you after that if, if, if uh, you lose and, and I'll promise to, uh, to learn from you if, if, if I don't. Now, it's risky, but that's the way to do it. You want to put them in front of their responsibilities and understand that marketing is not just like boosting a, a fucking post on Facebook. It's much deeper than that. I love that. There's a lot of questions coming in uh, uh,
0: from Sarah, who uh, literally just says "moo ha 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 ha. And then Jennifer is having a go at me for saying assholes instead of arsholes. uh So, <laughs> <laughs> or Jenny. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's more uh, northern roots, I think. Uh, so let's go to Baz, uh, who says uh, everyone hates marketers, including CEOs and the bean counters who set marketing budgets. So while most marketers agree with you, realistically is standing out a holy grail that's out of reach for 99.99% of companies. Yours, the devil's advocate.
1: Um, so yeah, you might not be able to, to create, uh, to influence the product you're selling, for example, if you don't have a sale on it, but in your own work, you can do a lot of stuff that you, that, that, that you can, if you're in charge of content, if you can touch the, the content and whatnot, you can use the exact same methodology. Yes, it's obviously the the holy grail is to to be able to influence the product and to create something that is radically different. But it takes time. Y- you can't just be right there on the top of the hill and and just rock it from from the start. You need to start small. Start with a blog post. Use the lean against the status quo. Go for it. Uh, move on to a webinar. Move on to be a campaign. Like this is what it takes to convince people. Sometimes you you want to start small, show results, move on, uh, and and go after it. But I don't know if, if li- life is that fun when you don't do this. You know, if you, if you just forget about marketing for a minute and just think of life, uh, there is a good image you should uh, I, could, I could actually find, which gives you the number of weeks you have left and, until uh, until you're going to die, which is very <laughs> grim. And it's actually very small when you put the 52 weeks per year. And I think that's the point, right? It's what do you want to be remembered? Uh, uh, how do you want to be remembered um you know do you, do you want to re- be remembered as as someone who's just you know done stuff at work didn't really enjoy it um or do you want to do be remembered as someone who's tried some stuff some didn't work some fucking brilliantly worked you only need one you only need one good stuff um to to thrive on it for years mm-hmm love that
0: and, and that sort of goes back to your obituary uh point earlier in the presentation as well you know so have you presumably you've been through the obituary exercise yourself at some point and, and and did that and i don't necessarily want you to share the words that you use but i mean how did you feel after you did that
1: i mean it's been it's not something that came to me straight away like uh, the way i summarize what i do is i fight marketing bullshit but it's it's, it's kind of the I think that that could be the obituary. Uh, it would be great to see it on my my thumb like uh, good uh, on my tomb good uh, good husband, like good family person took care of his siblings, uh, kids one day whatever and also thought marketing bullshit. but it, it's it's not something that just comes to you like that right it takes a while but the best way to do it is really to just ship stuff, expose yourself, expose the campaigns that you're that you're whatever you're doing like, expose them to the world the world is going to give back feedback questions exactly like what's happening now gives me plenty of ideas for new new stuff to do and it, it clarity is going to come through that but if you hide if you stay within yourself if you if you if you're too afraid of shipping stuff mm-hmm. clarity is going to be very difficult to come by so yeah it it needs you need to give 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 mm-hmm. and then in return you'll get a lot more clarity um, but it, it took me to get this clarity of thinking to know this is this is what I'm good at this is what I love doing this is what I hate took me the better part of my career to be honest yeah so I wasn't born this way
0: no (laughs) well thank you for sharing that dude because I think um particularly when you're early in your career there's a there's a a concern that you feel like you have to have made it already you know I I remember walking into my first job and sort of opening the doors and thinking Joe has arrived you know and, and stuff like that but it was only four years later that um you know i left my first job and, and, and found my second and, and in in the second job then it was actually where i started to come up with a life purpose so you know to your point um there's no pressure on this in this process and even if you do write your obituary it doesn't mean that you can't change it as well
1: um which is exactly um, you just have to like again said god is just as figure stuff out a, lo- a long time ago uh make a spinner and spin the wheel um uh, that's what it is. Like you just—it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to need something else. Just ship, ship it already. See how it goes. Move on. And yes, it's scary, but it's so good when you get the result. I mean, the feeling you get once you ship that thing that you always wanted to, but were too afraid to ship. The feedback. Then imagine like the result you get, and oh, it's just you want to do it all over again, even if it's painful. Absolutely. Um, so
0: I'm just, I'm just now going through the questions to make sure that um, there's some that are quite similar. So uh, if I haven't answered your question specifically, it's hopefully because you've already had your answer. So um, there's a question here from Ilian who says, uh, which I quite like, which is, why does everyone really hate marketers?
1: I, I, I don't want to quote Seth Godin too much, but like this guy inspired me so much when I, when I had the first interview, he said, because we are selfish, lying scum, who can only think of ourselves instead of serving people. I think I don't blame marketers personally. I blame the marketing game and the pressure that we are put under to generate results and reach our targets that makes us do crazy stuff at the end of the quarter because we have no choice. That's what I blame. I also blame the shitty products that we have to sell that we have no influence over, even if we should. Marketers should have a seat on the table to be able to determine whether we need to build this product or not this product and remove that feature or not that feature. That's what I blame. And once, like once you work for an organization that values marketing that way, where you can influence the product, where you are allowed to make mistakes, where, um, where patience is one of the, the keyword, then, then you can't be hated as a marketer because that's the beauty of it. Once you have a good product, uh, it's just, things change so much. So, yeah, I don't blame marketers. I feel their pain, especially in today's world. The pressure is immense. I blame the fucking, the fucking game that is, yeah, the pressure that we're put under. Mm-hmm.
0: Fair enough. Right. I, I think uh, we, will, we will call it there, my friend. Um, there's been a number of questions and I'm going to make sure that we copy and paste them all. So uh if there's some that feel like we've gone and answered i'll uh, share them with louis yep.
1: but one thing i want to say here joe first of all thanks so much for for your time and i can see like the the the, the feedback the, the number of people who love what you do you just testament to you my friend have created something radically fucking different and it's fucking awesome to watch um if you have questions that you are too afraid to ask in the q a and or you have forgotten to or whatever uh, louis at everyoneheadsmarketers.com is my email or you can contact me on linkedin like don't be afraid to reach uh, out with questions I, i'll record a video uh, answering yours um but yeah thanks so much man. it's been it's been a blast i feel very energized now Um uh, i was half awake at the start so um <laughs> and thanks everyone for watching and taking the time an hour uh five minutes is a long time so thank you for your attention as well
0: yeah absolutely thank you so much everyone um the comments have been Unreal. Um, likewise, um, it was something that we said at the beginning, you can come into these sessions and and feel, you know, semi-awake and leave them feeling so energized. And, and, and you've done that. And, and everyone watching this has done that. So thank you all so, so much. You know, this is, um, it's the best life and it's lucky to have people so be surrounded by people uh, like you, Louie, but also the marketing community is just amazing. So thank you. Um, so as ever, we've got our next session next Tuesday. Uh, so next week, we're, we're actually going far more tactical. We're looking at landing pages and we'll hopefully be doing a live audit. So please do pop by for that. Um, and please also do take the opportunity to thank the sponsors as well. Um, as I outlined at the beginning, they really do mean that we can carry on doing what we're doing. So, uh, you know, thank you so much. Um, with all that said, just have the most lovely day. Uh, thank you all so much for being here. It's been a brilliant session. And uh yeah, take care of yourself. Au revoir. Take care, everyone. Au of revoir, all. mes amis. <laughs>